Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed Podcast. Well, folks, I'm very excited to introduce to you tonight's guest, her name, Marie Irene Squalachi. This is a young woman with a wide impact, enormous influence. I just returned from a meeting in Latin America, uh, and actually the Summit of Americas, and she put it together. I know you're never supposed to talk about a woman's age, but this 36-year-old woman put this conference together and did an incredible job. She works with the Global Council of Nations, Global Transformation Network, you name it, she does it. I've asked her to give us a whirlwind overview of Latin America, the countries of Central, Central America and South America to understand what is happening. The good news is there is some good news. The bad news is there is some tough news in some of the countries, what is happening governmentally or politically. So Irene, she goes by her middle name, Irene. So Irene, uh, it's so good to call you a friend and it's such an honor to have you on the World Prayer Network. Thank you for being on with us tonight. The same, Jim. My pleasure. And uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share a little bit of uh, what's going on from Latin America to the world. Uh, would you take the first 60 seconds, 60 to 120 seconds, and got to give your life story, who you are, so they'll know you a little bit better. And then after that first one to two minutes, we're going to jump right in and do a country by country roll call. Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, uh, I, I became a Christian when I was 16, basically um, uh, got got saved in the middle of trying to become a professional tennis player. God called me to to ministry right there and decided to go to ACU to study Christian ministry. Then I got a master's as well in divinity. ACU uh, is, so they'll know. Abilene Christian University you there in Texas. in Texas. Not yes, just Texas, you came, to, you came to West Texas. Uh, West Texas, not any Texas, yeah. <laughs> not any <laughs> part of Texas, West I, Texas. I know that part of the country. Adjust your camera up just slightly so it'll cut off the top of your head. Okay, go ahead. So we got you in West Texas, and uh, and you got not only an undergraduate degree, but you got a, a divinity degree. Yes. Uh, what's, what and was your then, undergrad, undergraduate degree is in what area? Christian ministry. It's okay. the name of the bachelors. Yes. Sure. Okay. Went and back to Bolivia, uh, started a church very young, 22 years old. Crazy enough to do that. I've done that. <laughs> Been there. After uh, five years, I uh, started uh, traveling all over uh, Latin America with Dr. Mark Belisles as his Latin American director. So basically, when I started transitioning to travel to the nations, I got a calling to advise Christian leaders wanting to enter politics all over the region. That was just in itself a, a miracle. Um, had a passion for nations and for the transformation of nations, what the Bible teaches about these issues. Got uh, much in depth with it. And one of the things I did after I started to, to see this calling in my life, transitioning from a local pastor to, uh, uh, you could say, an advisor or a counselor for Christians all over the region, especially in the area of politics, education, communication. I got a master's degree in uh, from Regent University in organizational leadership and global business. And I also went to law school and finished. So I'm now officially a lawyer as well. Uh, you to today, Regent, you, you, Regent University School of Law? 
Yeah, uh, no, I went to Regent to do the master's in organizational leadership and studied law in Bolivia in a local university, in a national university there. Oh, very good. Very good. And so are you prepared to take me on a tour of Central and South America and tell me kind of where we are, where we're making headway in terms of bona fide biblical impact on governmental issues? and where we've had some serious setbacks in recent years. I think I can, yes. I've been traveling to the region for the last 10 years, uh, at least 12 countries. To Colombia, I went more than 25 times already in the last five years. So uh, I can speak more of certain countries than others, Jim, but uh, I can surely give you a very good overview of what's going on in the region. Okay, take take us on a trip. Okay. Um, we we can start from 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 Mexico. I'll just do some highlights, and if you want a specific country, just let me know, Jim. Um, Mexico is a country that I personally haven't uh, worked so much in, but uh, knowing a little bit of the dynamics and, and the culture, it's a country that right now is is governed by by left government, uh, a government that's not respecting life, and it's not respecting family. Uh, the justice system has uh, decided what's wrong and right according to these issues and sadly has uh, recently done a couple of legislations against life and and also approving abortion and, and adding other um, motives to be able to, uh, uh, for a woman to be able to practice uh, abortion. So it's a, it's, a, it's a tough situation for the country of Mexico. There is some hope right now in the uh, political spectrum as there is um, a candidate who is now officially a pre-candidate who is the one that um, did the movie Sound of Freedom. He's officially now registered. I'm here right now in, in, in Mexico and was able to meet some of the leaders who are helping him in his uh, movement and his campaigning. For now, he needs to raise the signatures necessary to become an official candidate. But due, due, due to the impact, there's a lot of Christians really starting to back up him as a new candidate. There is hope for in the sense of him uh, wanting to really fight. He's a strong Catholic. He has a great testimony of family and his own self. Um, so he's right now one of the candidates that Christians are, are looking to support. Now, in a biblical worldview, uh, we know it's very clear his stand on life and family, which is very positive, as well as he will be. Uh, going hard on 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 doing a biblical uh, on, on on complying with a biblical definition of government as which is basically justice and protection of human uh, of human life. So going against human trafficking, drug dealing, so many things that happen here in Mexico that we we are aware of. Now, in the area of economics and other things, uh, we don't know where he stands yet. If he's uh, aligned to biblical worldview in general of of other uh, issues, but that is yet to be determined. That's a little bit for Mexico, Jim. Any other country of your before preference? You, before you uh, leave that one, uh, this is somebody associated with the uh, Sound of Freedom movie. Well, he's the producer. He's the he's the oh, main what, guy. What, oh, good. Can you give the name? Um. Uh, yes. Hold on. I'm linking out here. Um. He's the Mexican, the producer. Not Sorry, Eduardo, or is that yes, uh, Eduardo Verastegui? Thank you, James. Eduardo sure. is officially uh, pre-candidate. What that means, he's already uh, registered to be able to receive the the like the books that they give. It's different in each country, but 
uh, for all of the country to be able to sign for him to become a candidate because he's going independently, no party. So that's why he needs to have these prerequisites to be able to run independently. So right now they are in the collection of signatures for him to now officially be able to be a candidate. Yes, Eduardo Verasti. That's the situation here. It's official now. He is He's trying to run. It's official. It's public. I have met him once, maybe twice, and then I interviewed the director of Sound of Freedom, who's his close, very, very close associate. Um, is it as hard to run as an, as an independent in Mexico as it is hard to run as an independent in the United States, which means it's extremely difficult to win <laughs> as an independent in the United States. No one has. Um. I wouldn't. Uh, I can say yes, and 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 partly uh, there is some information that I would need to research. But uh, let me put it this way: what is for sure is that it's it would be easier in Mexico than in the states. The states has is a bipartisan, strong culture, um, basically. Now in, in Latin America, it's a pluralistic culture. You always always have more than five, six, seven candidates. That's very common. So adding a candidate to all all the list is not necessarily in a disadvantage for him now obviously the the, the disadvantage is that p- political parties have a structure they have structure and they have um, experience they have teams already set up uh camaraderie which helps a campaign uh he uh basically by being independent he has to raise structure from scratch uh but at the end today social media plays so much a role in campaigning that um, sometimes uh, structures make a difference. Sometimes they really don't um, with the issue of, of social media and how people are now being able to receive information and decide how to vote. So so we'll we'll see the dynamics. Each election is different, but that's just a first take on your question. Let's go to um, Guatemala next. We, As I indicated to you and I told you, we had the privilege of meeting a small delegation. Mario Bromnik arranged for it meet with Jimmy Morales when he was president there. And we had the privilege of meeting uh, with uh, Alejandro jean Mate when he was president. And of course, he's going out as president. And I'm very concerned the election there uh, sounds uh, very disappointing. Yes. Take me on Guatemala, because this, this country has stood, just, just a reminder to our audience, this country has stood solidly pro-life solidly uh, pro-marriage under great heat from the United States. Our U.S. State Department, which I do not trust, has put huge pressure on all the countries, including Guatemala, to back away from holding to those biblical positions. And on the economic issues, you have the challenge of warding off uh, socialism, Marxism, etc. So I'm kind of I'm very concerned for Guatemala right now. What can you tell me about the new president? Well, uh, and it, it's good for, for everybody that's watching to know Guatemala is the most Christian country in the entire region of the Americas, period. It has over 50% born-again Christians. It's a nation that has been consistently electing Christian uh, uh, presidents until now. This is a huge shift. So basically between the two... The two that were the runner-ups, both of them were left. So now the the people had to choose between you know one or the other. Uh, it seems like the 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 president that has uh, won seems to have a stand on uh, not on family and and not on 
on on life. Uh, the church is preparing to be able to have influence because there's such a, a big part of, of the country is so Christian that there is a concern. But again, if, if if why now and why didn't we go out to vote and, and decide better? Uh, obviously, the, there's very there's a lot of dynamics because it's not a a bipartisan situation. You get votes spread out. So a lot of the Christians divide votes among many candidates. And that does help the left in situations like Guatemala, where you would expect Christian leaders and good leadership to be raised up in the nation. So there is a high concern. Uh, and uh, he's a candidate that wasn't that was fourth during the polls and then just kind of uh, went uh, very fast to start going up. So it's there's a lot to be known by this candidate. And we will really know his politics. You know, one thing is when you're in election, one thing is when you're in office. So we'll we need to we need to see how he responds, but definitely is a person that is aligned to to the left to to a left to a left vision of uh, political view just to our viewers once again i don't mean to imply that the previous president was perfect no president is of any country no prime minister is perfect uh, jean matey uh it, it frankly is not one of us uh i say that for a reason but he made some tremendous decisions based upon biblical values and we really affirmed that and enjoyed meeting with yeah. him. He surrounded himself by Christians, and that was that yes. was yes. that that helped him. Even though he himself is not, a, a, he doesn't consider himself a born again Christian. Or, you know, personally. Yeah, yeah. And, and he probably had some challenges. There were probably some corruption issues that he maybe should have addressed. Uh, no, no, being a government leader anywhere is very very difficult these days. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go next to. Uh, I had the privilege of speaking in Costa Rica a number of years ago in their Congress. Let's go to Costa Rica. Give me an update on its status. Well, uh, in Costa Rica, we could uh, say that there has been a surprise for very for for good. So we had Fabricio, who ran the the election before last, a strong Christian who from nowhere ended up winning, uh, winning for the first time. And then ended up losing in the, in the, uh, yes, in the turnout at the end. Now the, gen the general election, he lost. In the general election, well, he he won the general election, but then when they they had the ballotage, so one against one, that that's where he ended up um, losing, even though he had won in the general election. But when, when it was just down to two, I should have said when it was just down to two candidates. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes, exactly. And so uh, it seemed like Fabricio would have been the, the the candidate to to replace as the one who won was was uh, going against Christian values, put the LGBT flag up in front of the the the, the government uh, palace, and so it, it, he he was very bad in economics, just uh, not helping, raising taxes, not not doing very good. Now. What happened was there was uh, there was this new candidate who's the actual president who won the election. He's an economist, and due to the economy being having such an uh, an important role during the election, ended up winning the election. Um, now this candidate w w was someone that had been out of the country for many years, 
had been pri pri prior many years minister of economics before and then came back. Now he is now in 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 office and um, basically uh, all the reports from all of our leaders in the ground from Costa Rica are that he is like doing great. He's defending hard life openly, family, uh, his his economic um, uh, views are protecting property, protecting people's uh, uh, investment, helping uh, families come out of, of poverty by lowering taxes. So there's just a lot of really good things about him that that people and the Christians are very happy. Plus, he has a lot of Christians in the government. There's uh, about 12, 13 congressmen. Remember, Costa Rica, because it's a small country, their numbers of congressmen are smaller. Um, so it's it's that is a significant number to have 12 right now. Six from Fabricio's party, uh, and then from other parties, a couple Christians, and they're coming together, and they have a life and family kind of coalition inside there working together there's a lot of good things going on in costa rica and we are excited about how that country is is in the direction it's moving at this point even though he's not a christian he has uh, he did an alliance with the, a whole christian community and church before he was elected committing to to 10 points the church asked him to commit he accepted it and he's been faithful to comply with that so we're we're really happy for, for what's going on in that country. That's a good report. Um, Mario and I met with a, the president of Honduras at the time was Hernandez. And he later was ousted. He's convicted on uh, drug trafficking charge or, or accepting some money. I Frankly, I do not know whether he's guilty or innocent. I just know people can be charged with trumped up charges. Uh, no pun in. Yes, a pun intended. Trumped. Uh, charges as we're facing in this country uh, consistently. Um, so give us an update on uh, Honduras. Yes, Jim, that is a country that I'm not um, very familiar with. I do know that in government and in parliament, there is a strong block of Christians. The president of the Congress is is born again Christian with, with, uh, with and has a big coalition there. And they're all defending life and family are really strong defending in the, in the Congress. So we have a good uh, a good block of Christians doing the right thing there, preventing bad laws, getting good laws in place. But uh, per personally, from the presidential standpoint, I would need to do some more research, Jim, to be speak to be able to speak on the president. I'm going to go through these and just answer. Now let's do, let's just do it popcorn style, very fast, and just give me. Uh, in in one sentence, if you can, throw a thumbs up, thumbs down on where we are governmentally or politically in terms of biblical leadership, whether in the president or in in Congress. Here we go, Panama. Uh, Panama, I would say it's 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 a thumbs down right now. Oh boy, okay, Nicaragua. Uh, three thumbs down. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, no, we're, Nicaragua is an extremely socialist and there's persecution to Christians. The, 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 there's pastors that have been killed. It's probably the worst right now in the region. It's Nicaragua and Cuba, I would say, would be the worst countries at this point. So it's just very scary, very scary. <laughs> that guy has been in power for 20 years or something. I don't know. It's just crazy. Mm -hmm. No but alternation of power. Absolutely. He has taken... The three levels of government just co-opted. 
Oh my. Uh, let's go to uh, El Salvador. Um, El Salvador, Bukele, loved and hated. So uh, I would say the same thing, very high points on certain issues and low points on the other. So just very brief, uh, excellent government leader who, uh, in the sense of him being able to fight against corruption in his country and against uh, delinquency, has the best rate ever of a president eliminating delinquency and lowering um, uh, just, uh, yeah, theft and un instability because really the, 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 the cartels had taken over that country. It was, it was not even a place to even go and travel anymore. That's gone. He, he really had a good uh, uh, public policy on this and has eradicated pretty much that country's delinquency as it was. Low points, he is very, a pragmatic leader. So his form of thinking is not ideological, it's pragmatical. So basically to do this, he has centralized power, has taken power and money from the local governments. And he says, because I, you know, he, he has that thing, because I don't steal, I should manage the money. And evidently he's been uh, loved by many because he, he seems to be a good and honest man. But at the same time, the if, when he's gone, so much centralization of power and resources under the central government creates and puts the country in danger for a next president. And he wants to start, he's talking of re-election when it's not legal, so he wants to change the constitution, so that also raises a lot of questions. So there you go, that's 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 where we are. Let's take a sentence on this country, because I want to jump to South America. The last one, uh, Belize. Oh, Jim, that I can't speak on that country. I'm sorry. It's just not that that's more. Um, I think the Caribbean and it, it's just not a country I've been working with. So yeah, no problem. Let's let's start through South America. I want to start with uh, the country of Brazil because we've we were deeply saddened to see Bolsonaro out of power. And uh, from our perspective, we feel like uh, Brazil is a replay of the United States in terms of Trump-Biden situation, and even January 6th versus the January 8th down there, trumped-up charges, all types of things. Uh, Brazil, give us your overview. Well, Brazil is probably one, one of the most Christian nations in South America, so there's a lot of influence of Christians. It was the Christians coming together that put Bolsonaro into power. Very, very sad to see the country now turned away from 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 that direction right now with Lula, the country's uh, uh, situation is is very bad. Lula has has been convicted for corruption, but yet has been in jail, uh, has proven to be guilty. Yet uh, we don't understand how a nation can again pick a pick a leader like that. But that's our reality, and that has to do with culture and and the level of poverty as well that st still exists in Latin America. Uh, people buy into um, uh, just speeches that that promise things that we all know can't be delivered. Yet people, because of hope and need, end up going back to uh, a by a bad cycle. You know, a terrible movie. Going back to to electing someone like Lula. Very sad to see. We we met as I told you. We met with uh, Bolsonaro twice, and on the second time, he he was. Uh, Notice of subdued, 
And when he finally spoke, all he said was, the cross is heavy. He was uh, so burdened, the pressure he was under. And uh, I'm very concerned of the current administration in D.C., Washington, D.C., the kind of pressure they put on the, this situation. Without going into more detail, we were, we're very... A concerned. lot of international money came in to get Bolsonaro out of power. That's <clears> exactly. From exactly. everywhere. Exactly. He's not a globalist. He stood for the right kind of values in so many ways. This was a, an enormous loss for us. I'm going to go to Bolivia. I recognize, I know you know a lot about that country. I, I recognize that Janine Añez, when she was president, was part of a not a good political party. And I realize that mo many Christians don't necessarily want her back in power. I get that. Uh, but I do feel she was imprisoned under false charges and is 10 years in prison over trumped up charges unfairly. This is a woman just you know, who was swept into power when a, a really a, a, an uprising and a prayer meeting, a massive prayer meeting, million and a half people in the streets praying. It was and a it, revival. It, it was it, a revival, a supernatural yes. revival we lived. I was there in my country during the whole part. And so I I, I think what happened in Bolivia is, is just amazing how God used a man from a civic organization to lead the greatest spiritual revival without being a Christian. You know about Camacho? Yes. Camacho? Camacho, yes. We met, we met with him. We were there. Yes. Camacho is a, is a friend. Um, just, just so brave, so brave to lead the country into, uh, uh, into a spiritual revival. But the, the most important thing was that he was the leader, and he, he had, he probably pretty much told us or told the city, please start blocking. Everybody went to the streets with their babies and blocked the streets. There was no way to get one block from one place to another because. It was imagine a million and a half people blocking their own street outside their houses and not no one only ambulances and food were allowed to but everything was closed and everybody all the businesses decided to support there was a like a spiritual pressure a social pressure to be part of the of the resistance it got to the point that Evo Morales after wanting to be reelected fourth time in a row and unconstitutionally with a proven fraud that's what got the country, or at least my city, started Santa Cruz to rise up. And then other departments started to rise up. And other states, you could say, it's kind of synonymous. And then until he had to resign, because the police started obe stopped obeying him and said, we're going to be in the side of the people, not in the side of you. And then the military asked him. And that's when he ended up resigning without a, a single gun being shot. Now, what is the situation with Janine and what happened after that? emptiness of power because the president the vice president the, the the president of congress the president of senate they all resigned with from the same party so janina was the vice president of the senate ended up being appointed president of the senate ended up then immediately uh, becoming president so what happened is this i didn't even know this woman she she was a total unknown even though she was in the senate not from a very small part of the country from a the, one of the smallest, you know, states. And uh, when she took in power, her party, uh, uh, her job was for three months to take us into a new election and give stability. That was her job. The pandemic hit two months right after. So she stayed in power for about nine months or a year close 
basically um, uh, running and helping us go through the pandemic. And then she, when finally it was a little bit better, she, she, she called for election. The problem was she decided that because of her popularity, she would run for president and Camacho would run for president. And they both got in a fight because it seemed like they had agreed, they had their own like political agreements. And then she decided that after he led the revolution or the revolt and was the, the leader, the legitimate leader, she decided to break off with him, take power, wanting to re, you know, get power back. So run again. Camacho was running. And the issue was uh, legally she and, uh, and was supposed to eliminate the political party who had done fraud. That's the law. If, if a party does fraud and it's proven, like it was proven by the OAS and all the observers, and legally proven as well in the courts in Bolivia, then she needed to, um, uh, the, 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 the electoral court needed to take away the, 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 the status of political party. And what happened was she, because of the instability that was produced by just uh, people from the opposite party of Evo just going and they had to do a, a negotiation where part of that negotiation, and, and this is not publicly known, but it's 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 known as a general. It's just not publicly known. It's basically she agreed to not do that. And and what happened at the end was the country gave her a a, a free nation without Evo Morales and that socialist party. And she what she did was. She gave us back a country with Evo Morales back in the country, pretty much, or, or able to come back and with a into the same party. So that's why people are not going to the streets to defend her. That's why people are not going to the streets to help her, because if she would have done right, I can tell you the country would have been would have never permitted her to be touched. Now, what is the problem? She is unjustly in prison. All the charges are false. She didn't lead the revolution. There was no, um, uh, no like terrorism. Like they, they, they're attacking her, and they're they just have so many charges against her. They're all false. Not one charge for corruption, which there has been a lot of cases that had that that leaked and that were public of corruption during the pandemic of buying the the ventilators, for example. It was public that the price that it was bought by the government and the price that the company said, you know, was, was there was an income. It wasn't uh, it, it wasn't the same. So basically, you know, all the charges that she's going through are all false. And it's all the, the way they're dealing with her. It's unjust. She should be free for all of those charges. And um, it's very, very sad. And I, I pray that uh, that she would be able to be free someday. Now, Camacho's also in prison. So there you go, both of them. Camacho, just so you all know, I want you to tell me why he's in prison at the moment. But Fernando Camacho, a young man from, uh, he's not from La Paz, he's from... Uh, Santa Cruz. From where, Santa, Santa Cruz? Yes, sir. From Santa Cruz. And uh, he was the one who really brought this movement in the streets and finally told his father, uh, he's a young guy, he says, I'm going to go up to La Paz, the capital's at 13,000 feet. It's very high altitude. And said, I'm going to go up there with a Bible in one hand and a letter of resignation and demand the dictator sign it. 
His father pled with him, please don't go. They're going to kill you. And certainly they did have such plans. But he went up there. And when he got up there, with making the story very short, the dictator fled. And as Irene just told you, the number two person, three person, four person, five person, and that thrust Janine Anya, sixth in succession, into the presidency. And um, and so we, we've been with her. And uh, Irene really knows the, the situation well. Now, Camacho, Fernando Camacho, he is in prison for what reason? Well, uh, he is in prison because of he led the revolution. They're saying this was a, a, a coup. And that he led a coup and that 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 and terrorism and that's unconstitutional uh, and that's uh, against the, the law. And so basically. Um, those were the charges. He is governor of Santa Cruz and being a governor elected uh, official was taken like a like kidnapped from the street, taken over by people who didn't have like police or anything, identification, just put into a car, put into a, a plane, taken to La Paz, put in jail and and sadly is 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 in prison today. Well, we, we need to pray both these people. Uh, Ginny Nanez was accused of creating this disruption, which was really a spontaneous move of the people and erupted. But it started with a small prayer meeting initially. And it finally got so massive. And that's when the police came out and just fell on their knees and started praying with them. <clears throat> and uh, in the midst of all this disruption, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Irene, I think 22 people lost their lives which is normal and that kind of thing. And so they charged her falsely with genocide for these 22 lives, as I understand it. So these are two. Yeah, that was after, though, the revolution. Yeah, yes, that correct. was after. Yes. When so she was in power, the party of evil brought and paid people from international people with, with guns. So people from Venezuela, from Cuba were in the country. There was a huge um, number of, of peasants that were paid with with rocks destroyed the city of La Paz came in and did vandalism breaking stealing it was it was scary it was almost like four thousand people running through the streets imagine that number of people taking everything they could destroying everything and so basically the police and the military had to go up it, it, it they surpassed the police so they had to take out the military and obviously in trying to contain uh, uh, lives were taken, sadly, but many, there are proofs and videos where the lives were taken by themselves. They, uh, some were false, like they had like, like the, you, they, they were like, oh, they killed this person and you would open the casket and it was empty. There was also uh, some people that were actually killed, but it was by the, their own people. It was uh, like the, the terrorists from, from that were part of and being paid to do this they actually killed people that were from their same side to, to say it was the police. There's a lot of evidence for that. Uh, there was also part of, of actual kill, you know, killing that happened between both sides as, as the conflict was trying to be detained. So, so many things happen. It's, it's really, it's really sad to see the country after a revival, go back to the same place yeah. where yeah. it started and know, and God's purpose for the revival, which was a national reformation, didn't come through just because of bad leadership. So sad. Yeah, this is an alarming situation. 
I'm going to, uh, we're all, we're out of time. And so I'm going to just fly through these countries a lot faster. You, you have good news for me on Argentina, right? I do. I, I'm a, a personally very um, aligned with Millet. He's up in the polls. If he wins, I'm going to tell you that country's going to turn around and, and every, and family values, uh, the defense of life and also very very bright economist he will he i i trust he will be able to take uh the economic situation and turn it around in argentina what is this uh, his full name is javier Millet. father we just pray blessing javier Millet in the name of jesus even this moment in the name of yeshua hamashiach we pray amen amen I'm going to go through these countries really quickly, and I apologize. We're, I spent two minutes time on on the early ones, so we're going to have to go real short one, short comments on this one. Let's just fly down through them. Here we go. Uh, Chile. Uh, Chile right now has um, has a really good president. I think uh, it. I mean, I would I would give it a, a thumbs up with some hesitancy, just because of of of. Just certain politics still kind of um, not not uh, yet all biblically aligned, you know. So he's he's decent, I would say. Colombia. Colombia, I would give three thumbs up. It's a former person in the FARC, so you pretty much have someone who's been very close to to the darkest part of the country now running it. It's very scary. Three thumbs what? Someone very close with no, no, but did you say three drug. thumbs, three thumbs down? I would say three thumbs down, down, yes, 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 yes that's why. Yes, okay, I want to make sure we understood that. Down, uh, yes, uh, yes. uh, so Ecuador, uh, Ecuador, um, I would say right now, Ecuador is 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 in a place of again, kind of a decent government, not not. Very pragmatic, very pragmatic guy. Not very, st not standing for life or family either. So I would just give him a thumbs down, really. But he's not so far left as others, we could say. Uh, French Guiana? No, no, I, I can't speak on French. Sorry, Jim. Uh, Guyana? Not, not my area. Guyana? Huh? Guyana? No, none of those two. No French, okay. no Guyana. Uh, work. Paraguay? Paraguay, Paraguay right now has, uh, uh, I think there's 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 hope in Paraguay. Um, there, mo most of the presidents they've been elected have been very decent or high, defending life and family. Others, because it's a small country, they receive too much international pressure. So you got a lot of of the presidents going back and forth, just kind of like very good, very bad, very good because of the pressure of the country. It's so small. So uh, again, I. I I wouldn't say thumbs up, thumbs down. It just kind of depends on issue by issue how it ends up turning out. No specific point or uh, position from that uh, president on issues. Now, in Peru a few years ago, a Catholic cardinal was able to lead a movement. Uh, don't mess with our kids or something like that. I think it was the name. Yes. Of the a million and a half people took to the streets on that one. And they, at that time, at least, were pretty successful in driving George Soros kind of out of the country, but give me an update on Peru. Where are we now? 
Uh, Peru has been going through really hard situations. They've been changing president um, maybe six times in the last two or three years. The Congress has, is, is like person comes up, the Congress, there's too much fight and there's too much instability in the country right now. And it's still going on. So I don't know if the president that's now, I have no idea. It's it's he he's not very long there. And I don't know his political stand, and it, it might be that he might be taken out again. So Peru is going through a really tough situation of uh, in political instability, and we need to pray for that country to, to, to be able to stabilize, to, to call for new elections, and to let democ de democracy just kind of lay out and, instead of having Congress all the time um, taking out the president. So that's a that's a strong point of prayer that we need to do is through Uruguay. Uh, Uruguay is, is has a I, I personally like the president. Um, he's a, a man of values, a man for, for family. Uh, it's a small country and uh, it's a very liberal country, but it's a miracle that, that the president that's now and there's a lot of Christians in the government. Well, not a lot, but be, for the percentage, it's a country that there are certain Christians that are around the president that are helping lead. And we have a close friend who uh, might become the runner up after this president who has he's very popular. He's doing great. Lo loved by the people. Great policies. And his successor might be a strong Christian friend. And let's hope that that comes to pass. But they need to. You know, they have to do their internal uh, process from the internal par party, but that would be fantastic. So good good perspective for Uruguay. Uh, I left a real zinger for the end. Venezuela. Oh, Venezuela. Venezuela. My friend, um, all I can say is if, if, um, if we as, if that country hasn't been able to, to take out Maduro after the international pressure and everything that's done. Um, basically, I'm telling you there that it's what rests and is in the air in Venezuela is people have lost hope. And when you lose hope, you easily become uh, enslaved. And Venezuela needs hope to be able to rise up again and, and give the fight for their country and for their freedom. Very sad. Very, very sad. Anything Maduro you want, is still you've done a good job of giving us a tour. Anything you want to say generally about the Latin America for people to pray? Because we're going right into a time of prayer here. What would you want to say? I could say I see going country to my country, meeting with Christian leaders that are pastors and business leaders and in education. I see a remnant. I see a remnant that's going to rise up and is going to start permeating and influencing the nations like never before Christians. We will start seeing that come. Now, that doesn't mean that there are like one strong leadership, but what I see is a movement. And Jim, let me, t let me tell you, God is working in that movement. Let's pray for those leaders that are in each country that God is using and is uniting for, the, for unity. For them to work together to have a christ-like mind to be able to lift up a new generation of leaders that can change their political situation it's there like never before the the ingredients are coming together 
to bake a cake for Latin America to really uh, become a, a continent that can uh, become a light in the middle of the world. Let's pray for the Christian leaders to have wisdom and maturity so that we don't lose this moment in history that's coming up. It's coming very fast. You've been listening to Maria Irene Squalachi, who I so admire and respect. Uh, once again, what I said at the outset, in case you weren't listening then, she put together a remarkable Summit of the Americas. I don't know, there were 19 countries or 20 countries, whatever it was represented. I'm not sure how many. <clears throat> a stunning conference. It was not your normal conference. It was really uh, working groups, uh, strategic and uh, I have high respect for this godly woman and what she's accomplishing. Irene, I want to thank you for your time. First of all, do you want to do you want to lead in prayer for Latin America to start off the prayer time? And then we're going to roll right into a, a lot of other people praying. Absolutely. Father, we we come before you. Acknowledging that we are broken people, but your grace and your favor helps us. Father, understand what is your will for the nations. I pray for specifically your people, the leaders that recognize you as their Lord and Savior and recognize that you, Father, are the one that created the nations and are wanting the nations as your inheritance. We, we ask, Father, that you will pour into Latin America a spirit of maturity in your church, in the body of Christ. I ask, Father, that you will give a spirit of unity in the church in each one of the nations to be able to work together for a common good. I pray, Father, and I ask that in this time being and from here on, that you will raise up one country, Father, one country that can become a light, that can start uh, spreading your word, your light of how things should be done in a nation to the rest of the world. We ask that it will come out from Latin America. We pray, Father, for each one of the presidents right now in power. We ask, Father, that those presidents that are not aligned to your will, Father, we ask that your light will shine, that corruption will be exposed, Father, that uh, your uh, purpose, Father, shall be accomplished and your will shall be done, Father, in our nations, in this region, in Latin America. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you so much. I realize I missed one nation, uh, Suriname, between Guyana and, and French Guinea. Uh, is that a nation also that you're not as familiar with up there, the uh, Caribbean? Are you Which one? Uh, Suriname? Suriname? Yes, not. The Dominican Republic is a nation that um, we have, we, we see Christians running for right now for um, for mayor. And there, there's hope in that country. That's another one we missed. But it's, it's we're, we're praying there's good leadership and things can turn around as well there. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the Well-Versed Podcast. For more information, please go to 
wellversedworld.org.